Serbia's attack was suicidal. Max Verstappen, you are a race winner. Do you like my face? Do you like it? Hello and welcome to another episode of Back of the Grid. Unfortunately, this is the end of the season. Oh. The, the last race of the season. Oh. I'm sure we will be back in some guys between now and the start of next season. Yeah. But let's not get too sad too soon. We've got a race to talk about. Yeah, we have. A race. Oh, wait. Well. wait. <laughs> hang, on, hang on a minute. Who, who are we? Who is everyone? I don't know who uh, everyone is. Let's go through that and drag it out as long as possible so that <laughs> it fills some time. <laughs> I am your host this week, Tom King, and I am joined, as ever, by Stu Greenwood. Hello. And Chris Evans. Good evening. Ooh. <laughs> we dragged that out a little bit. Yeah, yeah. that's filled a minute and Just ten keep seconds. Going. Keep going. Keep, keep it going. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a very uneventful race, I must say. We must discuss... You, with your yeah. uh, your notes have got eight bullet points, and I think that might be the fewest we've ever had. Uh, and their stretch. One of the bullet points is procession to the end. <laughs> <laughs> so oh, I wow. don't think that really counts as a bullet that's, point. That's seven left. <laughs> <laughs> Should we go through the bullet points in order? Yes. Sure. I mean, are we that surprised given that it's at this circuit? Has this circuit ever had a good race at this circuit with very little to play for other than the Renault Toro Rosso fight in the midfield it's not and that's not really anything to get excited about is it well no. I think the, the trouble is it does the, the layout of the track itself doesn't generate great racing despite having two of the longest straights on the calendar um, and even, even with the DRS they're still finding it difficult to get but especially with these cars they're still finding it very difficult to get past each yeah. other, aren't they yeah, and yeah, it doesn't help. That combined with a, that combined with a lack of impetus to uh, do anything about anything. Since all the weirdly, all the position, most of the positions were completely set going into this race, weren't they? Yeah, it was pretty much the only thing on the table was if Vettel had retired and or not scored points, Bottas could have maybe grabbed second with a win. Um, but that needed Vettel to finish, I think, tenth or lower. Yeah, I think um, so. It, like, it needed to really not be scoring points. And then the only other real thing on the table was um, the fight between mainly Renault and Toro Rosso for what I believe was, was it sixth place? Sixth place, fifth or yeah. Sixth. And then um, Haas were kind of somewhere in the mix, but it was very unlikely because they'd have needed to finish above both the other two teams to leapfrog them. Yeah. So, but should we start? Let's start at the beginning. Let's yeah, let's let's beginning. go. Let's from keep the let's keep things let's go, chronological. Let's, 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 let's take this from the top. So, in the final qualifying session of the season, we saw Valtteri Bottas taking pole from Lewis Hamilton, as literally nobody predicted. Yep. <laughs> um, stellar lap, really impressive yeah. stuff. Yeah, can't really can't really fault his performance all weekend, can you? No, not at all. I would say this is probably his best weekend of the whole season yeah he's good yeah. at these kinds of tracks isn't he he was really good at russia and that's a very similar yeah sort of well to this. this was something i sort of thought about and noticed at the time um especially during quality it's it seems to be these newer 
low degradation tracks that he seems to be good at for some reason. I don't yeah. know. Because Can- even though Canada's not a new track, it is a fairly low degradation track from memory. Yeah. So it, And he's always been okay around Montreal as well. So maybe it just suits his driving style a little more. Yeah, or, or at least his driving style combined with this car a little more. Um, but yeah, ultimately, uh, taking Paul from Hamilton by... Um, Nearly two full tenths, wasn't it, in the end? Yeah. Yeah. So, impressive. And then I'd probably say one of the other standout performances from Quali was Nico Hulkenberg getting the Renault into seventh in what we tend to call best of the rest. Yeah. Um, pretty impressive after he's, he's had a pretty rough last sort of third of the season, but um, yeah. Finished on a high. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I noticed something during this race as well. To, to highlight the gulf between the, the top teams and then the best of the rest. The difference between Max Verstappen in sixth and then Nico Hulkenberg in seventh was nearly a whole second. It was wow. nine tenths, but near as damn it a whole second. Um, oh, yeah. Which is insane, even at this stage of the season. Yeah, really. Yeah, that's ominous. Yeah. Um, especially considering they have the same powertrain, even though. Um, Red Bull refused to call it a Renault. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it is the could, same could thing. Do, could do a whole episode about that. <clears throat> yep, and nearly having the best. So yeah, <laughs> yeah we'll avoid it this week. Yeah. So let's talk race as much as we can. Yeah. Um, probably the most eventful thing of the early laps was Kevin Magnussen went for a little spin all on his own after messing up turns one, two, and three. <laughs> <laughs> He just couldn't get any of that first little bit right, did he, bless him? (laughs) I think he was quite lucky not to collect anybody else, to be honest, the way he lost it in turn three. He was a little desperate to recover after his mistake in turn one, running wide, got out on the horrible stuff into turn two, and then was riding the inside curb too heavily on turn three, and he just lost the rear and pretty much nearly collected like two or three other drivers and was lucky not to do so. Yeah, I've I've been sitting... I've been seeing a lot of uh, Kevin Magnussen hot laps on the Formula One game doing track guides. <laughs> and um, I think for a moment he thought he was on the Formula One game again during that spin. <laughs> Just run wide, keep your foot in, it'll be yeah. fine. Yeah. He did have that kind of mentality though. He ran wide in turn one. He was like, no, keep your foot in. Just get back on the track. Yeah. It's fine. Um, I saw Mark Webber say after the race, maybe a little generously, um, the way he kind of came back onto the track at a pretty much flat out corner. It's kind of the aero equivalent of being in a speedboat and just going straight across the wake of like 20 other boats which is, <laughs> which may explain why he just came on the track and just immediately was backwards because the aero was just all over the shop yeah, yeah that can't have helped the, the, the fact that he'd half beached himself on that inside curve <laughs> yeah. and then hitting the horrible wake of the other cars like you say Bit that of combination disaster. of events um led to him backwards and I'm guessing was it was it you who had him as first DNF, Stu? I did. Yes. Yeah. Bet your heart was in your mouth at that moment. <laughs> Very close, but no cigar on that one, I'm afraid. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, not that. Uh, not that I would will anyone to crash out of a race. That's no. Weird. No. Obviously no, not. But... but when you see somebody spinning around in that fashion, you think yeah. 
is he out? Go. Yeah. <laughs> is that my yeah. point in prediction C- league? Certainly when he's going backwards towards a wall, your heart skips a beat, I can tell you that. I'll <laughs> tell you what, do you know the only thing that made this race particularly interesting and exciting was me and you sat doing live prediction league <laughs> updates yeah. for the for the league itself, yeah. for the podcast. I, I, I was literally sat there with a laptop. I had the document <laughs> open with, with everyone's <laughs> predictions on it. I was itching for mine to come true. And for a while, but, I was in like a quite a good spot for a while at the beginning of the race. <laughs> Every time Hulkenberg was in 11th at any point in the race, you were like, that's it, he's there. <laughs> yeah. That's a yeah. point. <laughs> but um, more on that later. <laughs> yeah, we'll get to that. Speaking of Hulkenberg, though, it makes a nice segue into bullet point number two, which is Naughty Hulk cutting the chicane at the end yeah. of the second DRS zone. Yeah. yeah. Basically locked up trying to get around the outside of Perez. Um had to bail out because he was never going to make the turn, which is, you know, that bit of it's fair play, but then kept the position ahead of Perez, which he shouldn't really have done because he was coming from behind well, him in the first place. Yeah, it mean, was a failed overtake. It wasn't like he was in front and defending. Exactly, like yeah. That. You say kept the position, but he never got the position, did he? In the first well, place, so yeah, he? took the advantage and yeah. took the position. Should it I was... Say. That was a shambles at every stage, basically. Like, it was a slightly messy overtake, he took the spot. He should have known to give that back. The team should have told him that you should give that back because yeah. it's you're never going to get to keep that. But then the stewards took so long to make a decision, they give him a five-second penalty rather than just tell him to give the place back, which, which ends up point, meaning he holds the position because he had yeah. gained more than five seconds over Perez. It was Exactly. Yeah. At the point the decision was made, I think it was nearly seven seconds down the road from Perez. Um, and part of me, the cynical part of me, makes me think that's why he never gave it back in the first place because he knew with the clear air once he was in front of him, he could put in the lap times yeah. and he was fast yeah. enough compared to the Force Indias to get that gap and make it. So in his head, he's thinking, I need to give that back, but I know I can get the distance between me and them to mitigate any penalty I'm given which is wrong I'm not agreeing well, that it's in a way it's it, it comes back to the stewards I think should be making the decisions yeah. a lot quicker you should never be able to you should never be an advantage to have a penalty no like no. based on that precedent just cut a corner past someone and stick your foot down for a few laps yeah you'll get a penalty but you'll end up ahead of them like that's yeah. does, not um, how it should be does anyone mind if I get my tinfoil hat out for a second <laughs> oh go on because I have a theory about this um, oh, yeah. it, it feels to me like obviously Renault are a manufacturer and Formula 1 management are desperate to keep man- manufacturers in Formula 1 I know where this um, is going and by by them by Nico Hulkenberg gaining this position and keeping it that gives Renault that, that effectively awarded Renault enough points to get them above Toro Rosso in the drive in the constructors championship. Therefore, they get a lot more prize money and they can put more money into the to the team for next year and do better next mm. year. Um, <laughs> mm. The guy from Force India, whose name oh, I've forgotten his name. The one of the one of the engineers at Force India was talking about it, and he didn't say so much. He didn't say anything of the sort of you know. He wasn't saying that the FIA gave them the benefit of the doubt for that reason but he certainly made the point that they've got those points because he wasn't penalized enough and they've gained positions as a result so i don't know yeah, like, the, it feels it stinks a bit to me 
I I can I can see where that argument would come from, but ultimately I think that even if they'd made the decision there and then and said you need to give that place back and it had dropped behind Perez and maybe even Ocon as a consequence of having to give the place back, it, you know there was only one way but letting them both through if if that's what it came to, he'd have still got back past them. The Renault was just that much quicker mm. than the Force India on the day, and I don't. To be honest, this is why I think it's a bit a bit unfair that he didn't just straight away give the place back that he took unfairly because he had the pace in that car to to beat them both on the day and I think he'd have always got back to where he was. Yeah, well, I don't know because Perez was only a tenth behind him in qualifying, less than a tenth actually, he was nine hundredths behind him in qualifying and I feel like Perez's tyres would have gone right off following him. So... Yeah, for true. him to not give him that place back, yeah, he's he's gonna have loads of places. He's in he's in clear air. He's got the, the Red Bull of Verstappen ahead of him, which is never gonna be that close to anyway because they're just gonna go off into the distance. So th- that in a, in effect gives Nico Hulkenberg the lead of the midfield. So he's gonna be in in clear air really, and he'll keep and, his uh, tires clean. And he'll have loads of pace as a result. And who's to say Perez isn't gonna pull a um a Vitali Petrov and just defend against the faster car for an entire race yeah which is entirely possible totally possible that. not only that right but on the radio at the end of the race nicole hulkenberg um they were all like you know giving each other the usual thanks blah 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 on the radio and nicole nico was like yeah i know i played my part in that as if to nod to what he did at the beginning of the race yeah it's just just decisions like that need to be made i know it's easy to bash the stewards and they have a really hard job but when they're cut Some, and dry like this, something like that, they just need to straight away say, no, give that back. Yeah, and the thing exactly. is, when you've got little Anthony Davidson, bless him, and his sky pad, and he's literally within three corners going, he needs to give that position back. I've just rewatched it on the sky pad. Like, if he yeah. can do it that quick from that piece of machine that doesn't work properly when you touch it, as we always see every week, <laughs> then surely the stewards with all their multitude of cameras and angles can look at it and say, yep, yeah, we need to yeah. give that back. Because I if can it's remember... that cut and dry. I can remember, like, examples in the past of um, savvy drivers will see someone do an illegal overtake ahead of them, quickly yeah. get past the person who's been overtaken. Exactly. So when the inevitable, you've got to give the position, comes back, they end up having to give back two positions because... Yep. That's where the driver is. And those decisions just don't seem to happen anymore. Because they hold it so long and give five second penalties instead. Yeah, which I'm. Um, Even the commentary team. Of. All the com- every, everyone on the commentary team was saying that wasn't enough for a penalty. It should have been a 10 second penalty, if anything. Cause you, get- I don't think a single person watching that race thought otherwise. It was clearly an illegal overtake and he should have given them position back. Like, yeah. I don't think you'll find a person yeah. that disagrees with that. Maybe. Uh, Hulkenberg's fan club but even then one one of the other points that was made during the race was I think it was Brundle who made the point on commentary was the fact that even if uh, Perez had stayed within five seconds of Hulkenberg so that when Hulkenberg pitted and took the five second penalty they were back the right way around let's call it with Perez ahead of him it's still a, a, an unfair disadvantage or advantage depending on which side you're looking at because at that point they've got less fuel they're on different tyres they're both on fresh tyres it's a completely different race rather than the battle that they were having at the start of the race where they were on full fuel 
on tires that that started the race on it like you know 20 30 laps later it's a completely different fight regardless of if yeah. you know the penalties actually dropped him back behind Perez or not and, and Renault knew that as well yeah yeah so yeah I think that's probably the most controversial part of the weekend isn't it really <laughs> probably yeah. I'm, I'm amazed we've managed to talk about it that long um, it, it, <laughs> may, it means we don't really have to make much of the rest of the race which yeah, is yeah. useful we're doing well we're doing well <laughs> we're doing well um in terms of overtaking, though, we did see a good fight between Grosjean and Stroll for a good few laps, but about lap 10, 11, 12, something yeah, like really that. Yeah, really good fight. Um, yeah. A nice wheel-to-wheel battle that ultimately saw Grosjean finally make the move stick against Stroll. Uh, a car that seemed to he seemed to be struggling with all weekend, though, Lance Stroll. He never seemed to find his groove with it, did he? No, and Williams have basically said that I've not really got any idea why at the moment. He just mm. was having balance issues all over the shop. Um, but yeah, they, did, they seemed pretty clueless as to what was going on. Yeah, he did, he, he did three pit stops during the race. Yeah. Last yeah. Stroll, compared to In a on-paper one-stop one race, yeah. Yeah, yeah, everyone else did one stop. And um, here's my fun fact about fun fact. Uh, Lance Stroll for this race. Mm. He was the only driver to lose a position by the end of the race. Really? Everyone wow. else either gained a position or they stayed in the same position that they started on the grid and Lance Stroll dropped three places. I was about stays. to say, how did everybody else gain one if nobody else lost one? But I Two suppose when you've got someone like Ricardo retiring from quite yeah. high up the grid, yeah. that automatically gives everybody below him a place, doesn't it? So Yeah. There were two mm. retirements, weren't they? Yeah. Him and says a lot about the circuit again, doesn't it really? Yeah, well mm. yeah. That's the thing. Like it, it doesn't generate exciting racing. Well, I mean, it, nope. did, it, it, did, it did generate mm. exciting racing with Grosjean and Stroll, actually. But uh, it generated exciting racing in the lower categories. Yeah, yeah, the the, the, the less aerodependent, may I add, lower categories. Yeah, so you yeah. mean like F two and yeah, three. Sorry, GP three. So like those those categories had interesting races but mm. they're on much more on par machinery with each other which yeah. I think is the key difference there yeah. less aerodynamically dependent and it, 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 a lot more equal it feels like the sort of track that in with Formula 1 because they're all in different cars and because of the way the, the field gets strung out in qualifying and then as, as a result the faster car being ahead in the race they, they don't, and it's really really low degradation so as a result no one has grip that someone else doesn't have because a lot of the overtaking in Formula 1 is generated from the fact that someone else is harder on their tyres than you're being on your tyres, isn't it? Would yeah. you say? Yeah, it's yeah. certainly going to play a part. So it feels like with this track being low degradation, you just don't get the overtaking that you need. Maybe if I mean, we did watch, I mean we'll get, we're going to get to the other races, aren't we? But like I I saw some really great racing in the other ca- racing in the other categories this weekend. Yeah. It just feels like the Formula One cars aren't well suited in their current guys to this track. Then I think that just in general, it, when it becomes too aero dependent and the cars become difficult, it becomes difficult for the cars to follow each other, as we've seen with a number of them this year. The the Mercedes, most notably, mm-hmm. um, it it does make it difficult for for them to overtake and it, when you look at the the aero complexity of the lower formulas there's a reason that they follow each other so much better and they have more close wheel to wheel racing and they catch each other better 
and things like that. Uh, and I think, I don't know, because obviously we need F1 to be the pinnacle, don't we? we? That's what we need. But I think that forcing the teams to do the aero in a particular way can sometimes create more problems than it's worth. Like, well, I mean, ground effect, ground effect and under the car is where you can generate a lot of grip, keep the cars fast, and they're less affected by following somebody. That's that's what Red Bull have always been good at. Red Bull yeah. and Adrian Newey have always been good at working an airflow under the car and, and keep that car planted w- without um, turbulence from a car ahead affecting it. And I think that's probably what Ferrari have done a better job of this year, which is why they were so much better at following Mercedes throughout the season than um, Mercedes were at following them. Yeah, you can see, you can still, I've pointed this out before, but you can still see on the Ferrari how that car is designed to be yeah. good at following other cars because they, they knew when they designed that car that they were probably going to be behind the Mercedes and chasing them down. And that, that yeah. those big scoops that you see underneath the the side pods inlets, underneath the radiator inlets where the side pods are, they're, what they're doing is they're cleaning up all that air and sending it round to the back. Yep and giving them all that grip when they're following the car. And we've seen it all season, the Ferrari, when it's been up there, it has been able to catch and pass the Mercedes when it's needed to, whereas when it's been the other way around, the Mercedes just cannot get close to other cars. No, including other Mercedes, as yeah. uh, Hamilton proved. Yeah, for sure. But I'm jumping ahead a few bullet points there. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll we'll keep keep to the bullet point order, Chris. So the next bullet point, <laughs> the next bullet point is um, one Pierre Gasly uh, having a little spin, a little like Magnussen, just all to himself. Um, although at least Gasly was completely on his own this time through the final couple of corners, yeah. just seemed to lose the rear end. Um, nearly got collected by a Sauber, I think it was that had to take some. Maybe they made it look a bit worse than it was with the evasive action that they took. Action, yeah. But um, yeah, that was an interesting moment yeah, for Pierre and for me as well because I had him down as first retirement, and I was <laughs> part of me was willing him to clip the wall and maybe do a little damage <laughs> to the rear axle. <laughs> He's not been great all weekend, actually. Gasly has had a pretty, pretty rough weekend. I, same for both Toro Rosso's, to be fair. Yeah, they've had, I, a, they've had a tough time of it the last couple of races. I like both of those drivers and I'm kind of hoping with a new car they know from the start next season rather than being parachuted in mid-season they might be a bit better next year. Mm. Uh, Yeah, I don't think that helps the fact that those two have had so little time in the car but there's still a lot of um, stuff in the air about, you know, our Renault giving them not so good yeah. bits and pieces for the car because and obviously it it was between them and Renault for this this position in the title look how well the other Renault engines are doing compared to what was happening with them is there's a lot of um controversy speculation and controversy around it yeah um, so but they don't have to worry about it because next year they'll have a Honda in the back yeah they'll have other things to worry about <laughs> they'll have much worse things to worry no. about next season having said but then that, again the way that the McLarens come on these last few races yeah it, I mean Fernando overtook um, a Mercedes, Felipe Massa down the straight didn't he like yeah under on, on the power straight he, he did him he was quicker yeah 
Yeah, albeit DRS assisted, but yeah. there was a point earlier in this yeah. year where you wouldn't be seeing that DRS or not. Yeah, yeah, even I with think... the DRS earlier this season, there's no way they'd get past. Sorry, Chris. Yeah. I do think Massa had a really bad exit from the hairpin as well, so it was... Everything was in Alonso's favour there, but even so... <laughs> but, you know, that even even with that, there was a time when, even with a bad exit, a Mercedes would easily... With out, a standing out start, that'd probably still be... <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um... Not long after said incidents, we saw uh, Ricardo retire around lap 21, uh, which was a hydraulic problem, but it was quite possibly likely down to the fact that he clipped the wall coming under the hotel bridge. I don't know if either of you actually Ooh, saw did that. He? I didn't see that. Yeah, he yeah. did. He's like on the sort of just under the bridge and they run really close to the wall. He yeah, the bit that everybody run, runs wide on the left-hander as they come under the hotel he quite heavily clipped the rear end of the car against that barrier, um, which is why he had the pit stop when he did. And, you know, there was a bit of a, oh, the tyres aren't quite ready. They were still ripping them out of the blankets. It was because he hit that wall and he was worried that he'd done enough damage to cause a puncture. And he'd called the pit stop like as he's coming around the final two turns. And obviously, turn one of those final two turns, you're then for turn two, heading into the pits so he was like right at the last minute calling that he wanted to pit because of that do you know what um, I thought, and obviously it wasn't long after that until yeah, he retired I thought, so. I thought he looked a little bit sheepish getting out of the car after he'd retired <laughs> yeah. that explains it it does indeed um, there's a brief spell around that time as well where Hamilton looked like he could potentially chase down Bottas but it never really came to fruition did it like for the for the Issues we've talked about before with the fact that it struggles to follow. Um, Hamilton kind of seemed to keep getting in a certain range and then the front end was washing out on him and he was locking up and things caused by that nasty air coming off the back of the other car and again just proving that that Mercedes does not follow cars well. He's exactly the same as Brazil, wasn't it? It's the same thing. As soon as you got within a second, you just saw him running wide all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think that as well, the the fact that he was having those issues trying to get past Bottas, there was probably a part where he resided himself to second and just knew that if he carried on trying too hard, he would kill the, the front tyres and he would need to pit again, meaning he would cost himself more places. And I think he just settled for second after after a little bit of that. Yeah, I think he was still pushing until about 10 or 15 laps to go, but like you say, you can't keep pushing that much all the time with mm-hmm. these tyres when you want stopping, I guess. Yeah. Um, and speaking of tyres and stopping, <laughs> Sainz left the pits with only three wheels fully attached to his car. We very nearly had the first ever crash in the, uh, in the, in the tunnel oh, yeah. pit lane exit He was well. so close to the wall. Yeah. As soon as they uh, showed off that pit exit, everybody went, someone's going to crash there and block the whole pit lane. So it was yeah. a disaster. And in however many years, it's not happened. And he came very close. He did yeah. very well not to stick it in the wall. Yeah, he did. He was interested. I love how uh, um, the, one of the commentators said, well, why, just, why, why did he drive out of the pit lane? Why did he just park it at the bottom of the tunnel? Oh, uh, you know how much that enraged me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that just he enraged me that. so much. I'm like, that is just a stupid idea. Why would you stop in the tunnel where there is nowhere to move the car? without closing the pits completely like you would not be able to move it yes it was an awkward situation for him and he shouldn't have driven as far down the track as he did I don't think but he did the right thing in coming out of the tunnel at least but he should have been pulling up to the left as soon as he got to the 
top of that little hill at like turn three, he should have been off to the left to try and find a, a safety barrier that he could get through. Um, I think he went a little bit too far, but yeah, stopping in the tunnel is a ridiculous idea. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to see it though. Just, just. I mean, it, it, would, it wouldn't have made it wouldn't have made any difference because no one pitted after that. I don't think. But still, no, it, would, it would have been. It would have added a bit of excitement to what the rest of the race, wouldn't it? Because let's face it. Do you think they would have had to potentially red flag that though? Nah, nah, they wouldn't. But nobody would have been able to pit. They'd have just got, they'd have just sent a. a a truck down I think there. they'd have safety card it or something. Probably safety card it, yeah. That have maybe safety card it but close the pit lane, yeah. VSC. Yeah. 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 It's it's a much it's that's much less of an issue now that now that we have cars that are fueled from start to finish. Yes. Yeah. I In agree. the days of refueling that could end someone's race very easily. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But not anymore. Hmm. And on a low degradation track where tyre wear is not yeah. a huge issue, you're not going to have people that are really pushing the stints, are you, I suppose? Yeah, that's it. We're really yeah. ringing that one out, aren't we, guys? <laughs> yeah, well, the last the last bullet point, as we alluded to earlier in the show, is the rest of the race was a procession to the end for 20-plus laps. Because yeah. that happened on something like lap 32, I want to say, or something like that. And then we had about 20 more laps to the end of the race. 23 laps to be precise and yep. pretty much nothing happened between Sainz losing his wheel and Bottas coming home first a season of what could have been never quite coming to pass has sort of gone out with a whimper basically <laughs> yeah definitely um, I'm just trying yeah. to look at yeah. sort of who's who made up the most places Do it, did, who did make up the most places in the race Brendan Hartley started 20th and finished 15th um, Grosjean started 16th and ended up 11th so he made up 5 albeit with yeah. two retirements ahead of him both of those uh, who else we got that's, that's really it no, I'd no, say no, that's about... did, no one did much no like, it, yeah. it was a slow one Alonso made a couple of places but that's about it yeah, Alonso had a good rate. He started up in ele- down eleventh and managed to bring Finish it down ninth by virtue of the fact again that uh, probably two cars ahead of him retired, Sainz and Ricardo. Yeah. yeah, I think Sainz would have probably been ahead of him, even though I think he was ahead of Sainz on the grid. Mm. I think on race pace, the Renault would have probably been in front of him. Do you know what we still haven't had? We still haven't mm. had a proper race between Sainz and Hulkenberg, have we? No, we've not actually. No. No, and they've been I fairly even, if I remember rightly, from the time that science has been there. I think if you do the quality head to heads and the race result head to heads, I think they've come out pretty much even in the time that they've been there as well. Yeah, I couldn't tell right. you off the top of my head, but I'm pretty sure there's something like three two to Hulk or three two to Science on quality because he's only been there like four or five races, hasn't he? Yeah, um, I can tell you that Hulkenberg qualified five tenths quicker than uh no six tenths sorry quicker than Carlos Sainz yeah he's been much quicker all weekend yeah yeah for um, sure so that's one thing I don't but then I think Brazil was kind of the reverse of that not quite as big a gulf but Sainz was definitely yeah. faster than Hulk all weekend though, so. yeah, I think it's ex- I'm excited for next season to see how those two do against each other because like yeah definitely you know, from start to finish they're going to be really really at each other those two it's going to be a really well the thing battle. the thing is Science at the minute is almost the next Hulkenberg because Hulkenberg always looked quick, had loads of promise, and you're always thinking, oh, I can't wait for him to maybe get an opportunity, a top team, and it never came. And 
it feels a little bit like science is almost in a similar boat where he's been at Toro Rosso all this time, he's been overlooked a couple of times by Red Bull. There's been rumours in the past of him maybe replacing Raikkonen at Ferrari, things like that, but obviously then Raikkonen's re-signed. You know, it feels like he's just always just missing out a bit like Hulkenberg, so... He's the nearly. I hope man. that that's not the case. Yeah. I hope it's not the case, and he does get a, a, a seat, or the Renault comes good and becomes a title opportunity car yeah. for both of them, something like that. But yeah, it's there's some similarities in them there in their careers. I think what you're saying, Tom, is that Carlos Sainz Jr. should change his name to Nico Hulkenberg Jr. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I think that could get confusing with them both on the grid, but maybe. <laughs> Um, what about driver of the day, gents? Who would we give it to? Uh, I think Bottas got the official one, if I remember rightly. Um, Grand Slam kind of deserves Slam. it. Mm. Pr- always impressive. Um, yeah. Really good for him as well. I think if he had had the last two races, he had had pole positions and then not won, I think that would have been a really rough way to end his year. Mm-hmm. But I think having as good a weekend as he's had here kind of bodes well for him over the winter and coming back strong at the start of next season yeah I think um, despite being naughty Nico Hulkenberg is still worth a mention I know nah, he was naughty but for me. he did he, he was incredibly quick though compared to the people around him he was he was pretty much the best of the rest in terms of his pace and speed through the race and he, despite the penalty the five second penalty he still then ended up like another seven seconds or something in front of the Force Indias so it's a shame, and, I, you know. It's, it's a shame that the naughtiness is is putting a tarnish yeah. on what is a really good performance. Is I think is what yeah. I'm trying to say. Yeah. Um, for me, I felt like we were robbed a little bit with Hulk uh, with uh, Ricardo's retirement. I felt like Ricardo had a bit of race in him, and uh, we yeah we saw yeah he was out. like closing the gap at the time. Yeah, so that was a shame, and he made a great move on um, uh, Raikkonen at the beginning as well. We're going to end up having to go with just the boring plain old winner, I think, aren't we? I think so. There's literally no one else that stands out. I mean, Hartley made up five places, but two of them retirements and one was his teammate spinning. So Gro- not much <laughs> you can say. Grosjean that. gave us a lot of entertainment against Stroll. Yeah, I enjoyed and he, and he made up quite a few places. See, depending on where we went and where we land with this, I had Grosjean down for move of the day for his battle with Stroll. So... Yeah. Was I, it a total drive of the day from Grosjean, or was it more move of the day? He's gone from 16th to 11th, So, and he didn't finish in the points either, so... It's, but he's, I've got to go, I'm going Bottas, I think. Yeah, I think... I, I, I'm with you, I think Bottas, actually. I think That's good. I'm, I'm pleased that we can agree on that one. Cool. Cool. So then move of the day, I've already alluded to the fact that um, I think that Grosjean versus Stroll is worth a good shout. Um, anything else from you two to add to uh, that? I very much enjoyed uh, Verline and Magnussen. Um, yes, that was that was a fun little battle. Um, God, he was in the commentary, sort of said, "Oh, he's, he might not make it through here. He might have to go for the next race." Oh, or he could just overtake him halfway through the chicane. That will do <laughs> yeah, too. Yeah. <laughs> you just yeah. sort of suddenly found a ton of grip and just like drove past <laughs> him. Um, it was a fun little duel, though. Um, I think Grosjean and Stroll was probably more enjoyable, though. Yeah, it, it, whenever you see moves taken over the, a series of a few corners, that's always super exciting. To yeah, watch. and they were changing yeah. positions all the way through the sequence of corners, weren't they? It was a 
that's got to be move of the day. I, I did write yeah. down Ricardo against Raikkonen, but it was a fairly yes, the one yeah, lap, lap one. one. Yeah, 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 that yeah. that was a good move, but I don't think it can. It's it's one of his textbook sort of, you know, long way back kind of dive yeah, down the yeah. inside, send it. Yeah, yeah, but um, Grosjean with Stroll was just electrifying. It's probably the most electrifying part of the race, so you can't really not give it to him. Yeah, I'd agree it with that. It was nice um, to see Alonso and Massa having a bit of a duel in Massa's last race as well. Um, it wasn't the greatest Again. race in the world, but it was quite nice to see. Two and... races in a row now. Yeah, but yeah, but all very respectful. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna go. I can go with Grosjean. I think oh, two unanimous votes in one. Yeah, this is weird. Oh, we can. Can we? Can we make it a third? <laughs> we'll see. Honestly, what the f- are we doing here? So prime candidate for this must be. Nico Hulkenberg and the stewards, whichever side of it you want to maybe give it to, but that whole well, scenario, everybody involved basically, <laughs> yeah, mm. um, yeah, Hulkenberg. I keep I keep using the phrase naughty, but I like it. Oh, gotta, <laughs> Hulkenberg you, for being naughty. It's just it's not going to get any presents come Christmas, <laughs> is it? It's like, well, you know it, well, I did overtake Perez off track around uh, Abu Dhabi and then speed off into the sunset, yeah. so... Get a lump mm. of coal, that's all I'll get. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, Hulk and the stewards combined, I think. Hulk for trying to take advantage of the scenario and the stewards for just taking far too long to make what was a very clear and obvious decision. I agree with that. I might break the unanimous thing oh. now because I think I'm leaning more towards Renault and Sainz just because you're in a you're in a fight for the last few points to clinch yeah. position in the championship. There's like millions and millions of euros on the line and you don't put a wheel on properly. Like that is... You've got one job in a pit stop. How about... How about... Because obviously I wrote these two things down that are on the list, so I'm glad you're agreeing that both of them are valid. Um, why don't we just say anyone at Renault, anything at Renault, just... Renault's weekend, Renault's whole weekend. Yeah. I don't know. I Renault don't say that because they gained a place in the championship and won themselves millions of euros. Well, so. they, they did that despite their best efforts. <laughs> so yeah, that's true. <laughs> we'll give it them for trying really hard not to succeed and succeeding yeah, yeah, anyway. That's good. I like that. Yeah. I can go with that. Yeah. Cool. Renault. Cool. Renault. So just well done, Renault. Renault's weekend. Wooden, wooden <laughs> spoon goes to Renault for the weekend. Exactly. I think we've done well to talk about that race for that long. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's meant that we can't really talk about the other stuff in as much detail as I thought we would be able to, but we'll we'll say what we must and just see how long it lasts. Um, so after the race, we officially saw the new logo that's been floating around social media for the last week or so. Um, originally, there were three designs submitted. <laughs> we came out with the one that we now have. Thoughts, gentlemen? Well, I, I think my theory was... De- what did I say? I said the bottom logo, the one that they've gone with, was the one they'll use, and the other two are just there to make that, oh, to make to make that look one a bit look better. better. Yeah. Yeah, probably. Um, those of us, I'm so glad they went with that one because actually, I think it's grown on me a little bit. The device itself looks really good, as in the F and the one. They look really, really good together. Um, it's probably a little bit too oblique if I'm going to be a geeky designer. But um, 
the text beneath that that needs looking at. You can't, you can't. It just doesn't match up. Well, I've noticed that everywhere that they've used it officially up to now, they've not put the text underneath yeah. it. Like they've put it on the on the website. It's just the logo. They had those silly hats on the podium. It was yeah. just the logo. Yeah. Um, hmm. They've changed it like on the YouTube channel, places like that. It's just the logo. So maybe the rest of it's work yeah, in progress they're... what what i do think's a shame is it feels really really rushed and yeah we're now in a position where it's the end of november and we have three to four months until the next season starts unwrapping itself and beginning why not take this winter break to sit and properly put a whole thing together and come back with a brand new brand in I'll t- spring i'll tell you why because someone in marketing thought it'd be a great idea to launch the logo at the end of the season and give it a load of fanfare. Mm. That's why. I mean, people are going to be talking about it for a while while there's no Formula One on. Yeah, today. there's that as well. I think. Um, I'll I'll say this for it. If you go back and look at the old logo now, and you mentioned like the text underneath the new one, the old logo and the old text now. If you look at that, having seen the new one, it looks like a thirty-year-old logo. It suddenly looks very dated, the old version. I mean, people are very attached to it. I can understand mm. why people aren't a fan of change. Yeah, but the, the thing with it is, though, the text beneath matches the text above because, it's it's A, it's the same. The one is the same font as the Formula One. Yeah, one. I mean, it does, um, but... Not only that, the as a composition, it works really, really well together because everything's on the same angle, whereas the text beneath... And again, I'm being a geeky designer, and I'll keep it short. But if I think if the word Formula One underneath the device was in italics, it'd look a whole and a bit smaller. It'd look a whole lot better. That's all they need to do to it, and it'd look good. But as it is now, with that upright text beneath, and then the italicized logo at the top, it looks weird. Yeah, I'll um, I had think thought earlier actually. Like, it's it's sounds very elitist, but I think it's easy as a Formula One fan to kind of look at football fans and that kind of sports fan as kind of, um, I don't know, just a bit more tribal or simple or not as intelligent kind of, you know, I know that sounds harsh, but it's kind of, I think Formula One fans are like in a similar league as cricket fans you would maybe put on paper, that kind of A bit more discerning, you mean? But, yeah, a bit more discerning. However... Last season or the season before, the Premier League changed their logo, and there was a couple of weeks of people going, ah, "Looks a bit dumb, doesn't it?" And then everyone just moved on. The way people are reacting to this new Formula One logo, you would think they've made them three wheel cars <laughs> or something. Like people are losing their minds. Over get, it. I'm not. Lo- I look. I'm not losing my mind. No. over it. I just think it's bad design. That's it. It's as simple as that. Yeah, we can we can discuss it for what it is, but at the end of the day, it's a logo, yeah, and it doesn't totally. really matter. I'm absolutely with you. And for the record, I absolutely love the Premier. The new Premier League brand's amazing. Uh, yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm with you on that one. I actually quite like the change. I thought it but, it was nice, modern, clean, slick. But, but that's but, not what yeah, we're we'll, talking about. We'll keep about. it Formula One, though. This is not a what I th- Premier League podcast. <laughs> 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 but if you do want one of those, Tom can advertise yeah, one too. Yeah. yeah, my brother does one. <laughs> Feel free to check it out. Um, um, what I found far more interesting, though, uh, on Channel 4, after they show the logo and stuff, did... Uh, David Coulthard and Mark Webber interviewed Ross Braun and oh, Sean Bradshaw. You mentioned this, and we didn't. 
respond to you. Yeah. So <laughs> we just ignored you. <laughs> to be fair, I watched the replay of the race, so I was like on a satellite delay at that point. Um, but they talked briefly about the the logo and stuff, and they kind of did a bit of wishy washy marketing stuff and whatever. Um, but Mark Webber kind of gave Ross Braun a fairly hard time saying, you know, logos are all well and good, but these are the bigger problems that are going on in the sport and what's going to be done. And Ross Braun, as he always does, spoke very intelligently about these things, but ultimately said, you know, we're talking about engines and penalties and stuff like that, that these aren't things you can just quickly make a decision and do something differently because that's not necessarily going to improve things, but it's something they are it's very much at the forefront of their thought they did say they're getting rid of the whole like 50 place grid penalty nonsense they're now just going to start saying starts at the back of the grid so no more of this yeah adding on 20 here and 10 here which is something um another thing i found interesting is sean bratch has said like obviously this logo is part of kind of general rebrand and there's going to be a whole new graphics package next season um but they want to start doing much smarter things with it for example countries that use miles per hour will have miles per hour on their graphics and countries that use kilometers an hour will see kilometers an hour which is quite smart kind of a i thought brainer, that one isn't it yeah yeah don't it we is. see like, both I... at the moment though i'm sure that no, in, when you la- see the speed traps you see both don't you <sighs> the speed traps they might but generally at the moment something comes from kilometers an hour and then david mm. croft tells you what that is in miles an hour you know what? That's um, really smart because in America they run on miles per hour, and that's probably one of the things yeah. that's exactly put yeah. Americans off for me. The one is none of them can work out what a kilometer an hour is. It it's a, it feels very European, doesn't yeah, it? For sure. It's, I mean, even I mean, we even use miles per hour, don't we? I, I, the only reason I think I we're know, more used to it though, because yeah. we yeah, a lot of Brits will travel one. to Europe, and um, yeah, yeah. there is that. But you know, a lot of Brits travel in Europe, and it's much easier to to get to that culture. You know, yeah. what is it? The, the fact. It's something like seventy to eighty percent of Americans never leave the country, something yeah, like yeah, that. Something so like they that. they never they never experience anything outside miles per hour because all their sports are in miles per hour, and only a handful of them realistically watch something like Formula yeah. One. In in some American motorsports, they don't even talk about lap times; they talk about average speed in miles an hour. Yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, it'd be interesting to see. And I think there's been a lot of um, rumor circulating that there is some kind of Eccleston tie to the old logo and it is somehow putting money in his pocket every time it's being used. (laughs) How true that would be, I have literally no No, idea. I I just know that that has been circulated around and surprised me. It was a reason for such urgency to change it. But, yeah. Um, It's here. It's staying, so we've got to get used to it, whether we like it or not. I'm sure the first race next year we'll see that logo alongside the new graphics and people will talk about it, and then by the second race, everyone will just get on with it. Sean Bratchers, Ross Braun, everyone, if you're listening, please, 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 just make the words underneath italics. It looks so much better, (laughs) I promise. I'll email him the podcast to see what he thinks. You might as well write after thought underneath the logo as it is now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, another thing that kind of went round this week which I'll touch on briefly just because there was an update did we argue about this and debate about what was going on in the last show I think we did didn't we the tyres we mentioned that there was the the new names being looked at yeah oh yeah they got a whole yeah suddenly there's new extra tyres yeah so two tyres were added there was the new Hypersoft that was voted on and then the Super Hard also came into play um 
What's basically happened is everything's moved up a step. So the old hard is now the super hard. So everything's gone up. And there's technically two new softer compounds. So everything's moved up. The ultra soft is now softer than it was. And then there's the new, even lower step of hyper soft. We thought this was ludicrous because if no one used the hard tyre last year, why on earth would anyone use it as a super hard? Turns out Pirelli this weekend basically said that the only reason that is there is in a pure emergency scenario, as in if they really underestimate how the tyre deck works with the cars next season, there is something harder to fall back to if they need to. But they realistically do not expect that tyre to be touched, and it is there purely for emergency reasons, which is fair enough. I think it's sensible. The thing that I don't understand, however, is making that tyre the orange one, making the hard blue, which is exactly the same as the wet tyre, why not at least make the super hard that nobody's ever going to use the blue one so there's even less chance of the clashing tyre colour? I just want to say, with the super hard, they've got a very good reason for keeping that, and that is because in Indianapolis uh, in 2006, yeah, 2006 or 2008, 2006. 2006. No, 2007. 2007. It was, it was the, it was, oh, I don't know. No, it was 2006. It was before Hamilton was yeah. racing, I think. No, it was five. Two, yeah, it was, it was 2005, I think it was. In 2005, <laughs> beside the point. <laughs> <laughs> In 2005, there was a huge issue with tyres not being able to make it around the banking at Indianapolis. And yes. imagine if we had another situation like that. You never that know. is there yeah. to mitigate against that, and it's perfectly sensible for him to do that. It's just the colouring is ridiculous. That bugs yeah, me. On. Yeah, on the on the hard and the wet both being blue. I saw someone point that out. Some Pirelli said, "Ah, no. See the the wet tires are blue. The hard tires are ice blue, or like cool blue, or something Ugh. like that." It's like, oh, cool, Wonderful. Well, no problem then. Because everyone whose crap telly is set up not right with the colour is going to be able to tell <laughs> ice blue from regular blue. They just it just doesn't help. It just doesn't help on a more casual basis though, because somebody who sees somebody running that hard tire in the dry and sees blue, then suddenly tunes into a wet race like four weeks, six weeks, yeah. eight weeks later. Is as a casual fan, he's going to be like, how come he's not switched to wet tires yet? Why is he running the dry ones? That's the kind of reaction that you'll get is somebody not understanding immediately the why there's a slick tire on a wet condition or vice versa if they've seen the wets first. And that's the... true. Or what if they go, what if they go yeah. to a race where they do need to use the blue hard tire and then it starts raining mid race. You won't yeah. be able to tell. Who's I think that is highly that. unlikely, but, um, it could happen, it could I totally, guess. Totally you never know. Happen. And it make it very difficult. Well, actually that is the old, that's the old medium, yeah, isn't it? Absolutely could happen. You're going to see these blue. So yeah, it's quite well. possible. Yeah, you know, it's not going to be like a, a a rare thing. These they're going to use these tires a bit because the, the, the yeah. Hypersoft's going to last for like three laps. By the sounds of it, it's not going to do anything. You're almost back to an old school yeah. qualifying tire with the Hypersoft, yeah. aren't you? Which is going to be interesting if someone qual- uses that. I've I've got a feeling that the meantime time we will see these um, Hypersofts is Q3, and that's about it. 
I the think other, so too. Because I think that from the sounds of it, they they are possibly. But then again, there has been races this season where even the ultra soft has lasted a lot longer than you'd think. I think even just on the yeah. colours again, even the colour of the hyper soft, which is pink, is that right? Compared to the yeah. mm-hmm. medium, which is ultra white. soft. It's the medium. Oh, medium I was thinking white, more yeah. ultra soft to the magenta purple well, colour. No, I, I think with the it's like a pinky pinky colour, isn't it? The thing, and it's quite close to that white. And again, when pe- people have got Although, rubbish tellies that aren't set up properly for colour, then they're not going to be able to tell the difference between those two either. But then the way Pirelli do it, you'd never get those together because they yeah. only ever take oh, subs- yeah. like yeah. three ones next to the list. So what you'll get is red, purple, and pink together, which is not <laughs> ideal. <laughs> Although there is an argument. Yeah. There is an argument to say that they shouldn't be doing it that way and you should maybe have the hyper soft, the super soft and the yeah, medium taken got... to a race. There's actually a range of, t- like a bigger range. Because I, I do like the having three tyre choices and it does, uh, some tracks not all, add a much bigger strategy choice. But when they're all one step away from each other, it kind of negates yeah. that a little bit. I, I just still think that we could call them the hyper, the prime, and the option. Yeah, or just extreme, and, option, and prime. That's Yeah, ex- ext- there you go, extreme, op- prime, and option. So the prime tie is the middle one, best best sort of mix of speed and consistency. Extreme is you're faster but more volatile, and then obviously your option is your slower yeah. but more reliable tyre, and then just have them labelled in colour according to that system. So you've got three colours. And it, even if your commentators sit there and say, so th- this week the option's the hard, we've got the medium and we've got the soft, it, the fact that someone tuning in that maybe doesn't tune in every week or whatever can see a fast tyre, a middle tyre and a and a slow tyre. Exactly. And they're all referred to by the same three things every single week. And it just makes life so much easier for everybody. Yeah. But then if Prelly do that, they can't sell their fancy road tyres and all the pretty colours that they advertise at every Grand Prix. But the, yeah, they only advertise red, green and white. Have you noticed that? And That's true, why, yeah. Because <laughs> it's the Italian flag. Why, why on earth yeah. anyone would go out and buy a McLaren P1 or a Audi R8 or whatever and put silly tyres on it with paint all over them? I do Ugh. not know. <laughs> I, cer- I, I certainly you know wouldn't be putting those tyres on my McLaren P1, I can tell you. you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know people would, yeah. though. Um, what we'll do is we'll see what other people think about things and answer any questions we've been sent in. Yeah, so we do. Yes. Just because of in time. Box, box. In box, box, box. Uh, so Eric Richardson has sent us, um, do you think Hamilton backed off Bottas or did he really just not have the pace to get past him? I think on a different track, we'd have seen him having a go, but I think on that track, he did everything he could, but just couldn't get any closer, to be honest. Um, I agree with that. Yeah, I think that it was just a case of washing out and realising that he needed to protect his tyres if he wanted to at least keep second and not yeah. cause himself I think, to pit again. I think a, a bigger thing with Hamilton is symptomatic of him winning a championship is the fact that he just he just loses that bite at the end. Of, it's We've seen it before. Mm. He loses that that sort of... that. Oh, what's, uh, I, I'm trying to think of a really good analogy. Oh, I don't I, have one. <laughs> you just hold on to that thought and think of an analogy for another question coming okay. up in a moment. Um Eric did also ask, uh, what are we looking forward to about next season? Bottas and Hamilton actually having a race at some point. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Um, I'm looking forward to a hopefully faster, more reliable McLaren. 
being hopefully in the mix yes, with Red Bull yeah. and met potentially even having a four-way fight for the championship. If we can get back to the sort of 2010 days of super, super close races and you know championships lasting an entire season, then that'd be a good yeah. thing. Looking forward to seeing Alonso's face when he finally gets another yeah. podium. Oh, I can't wait for that day. Because <laughs> he's going to be beside I, I will, I will himself. I cry that day. <laughs> if you want to see a grown man cry, come and watch Formula 1 with me on the day Alonso <laughs> wins his next race. <laughs> uh, Craig Mitchell asked, uh, what do you think the reason is behind Lewis never winning a GP after securing a title? Looks ominous for him next year, judging by what happened last time. Yes. Although I can't see Bottas winning the title. Um, I agree with Craig in that I can't yeah. see Bottas winning a title against Hamilton. Um, he just lo- he, he loses that, and I, fa- I thought of the analogy. It's it's not a groundbreaking one. He loses the killer instinct. Stink. I can't even say it. He loses <laughs> he loses the killer instinct that he has when he is actually fighting for the championship. And who can blame him, man? He's won it. You know, it's a hard yeah. life being a Formula One driver, um, in terms of mind management and and focus, and you know. If you get the opportunity to step away from that focus a little bit and have a bit of fun, then fair play, go and do it. Yeah, the, the you know driving that car, yes, it's a competitive sport, but I think ultimately they need to be enjoying it, don't they? Because that's when they start to lose the interest in it if they're not enjoying it. Which is which is why it's been good all season to see Alonso doing little things like setting a fastest time in a qualifying session in. Um, at Silverstone and like having these battles for points against someone that he's, he's had so many battles against in Massa and to be fair even them letting him go off and do little bits of other things in other sports they've got you've got to be happy in what you're doing because it's just going to walk away from it isn't it if he's not happy mm. so anything to add Chris uh, no not really fair enough uh, Thomas Austin Morgan says glad Bottas won his first Grand Slam and hope the Mercedes team develop a car more to his spec in 2018 I don't think that'll happen personally though while Hamilton's ever there well it's going to be closer to what he wants I mean this year's car was designed with Hamilton and Rosberg in mind true. so true it's going to be better for him than this year's in theory at least yeah um, he also added, if he manages to be more competitive next year, do you foresee the rosy relationship he and Hamilton have at the moment becoming more frosty? Um, probably just because of what we saw with Rosberg. Yeah, you I'd... see it. But then nowhere near to the Rosberg extreme, I think. I just think because he's Finnish. Like, like yeah. you look at um, look at Raikkonen. Like, can you ever remember him like really, really falling out with a teammate through his whole career? I'm just not sure it's possible to fall out with someone that laid back. Yeah. I think I think Bottas is a little bit feistier than Raikkonen, but even so. Yeah. I just can't imagine him I think at being angry. I think the thing with some of the Finns as well is as competitive as they are and as good as they are, they seem to slip into that um, almost number two role, if you want to call it that, a little bit better than most. Like um, Kovalainen did it yeah. Raikkonen's done it yeah. Bottas is kind of doing it to a certain extent you know they they seem to fit that second driver role and I, I think I, it is that laid back mm, nature maybe but I, think I don't think that's necessarily all... fair to say about um, Bottas I think he does have it in him I think you can see he wants it he definitely wants it it's mm. just yeah has he has I think he got they're it? also 
they're also very good at just like switching it on when it needs to be there. Hackenham was exactly the same. When he's in the car, he's just absolutely ruthless. But the second he's not driving, it's just straight back into that just laid back, getting on yeah. with the work kind of thing. Chill patrol. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Um, and then the last bit from Thomas was, um, do you think Mercedes will walk the title again next year or will Ferrari and Red Bull, hopefully Renault and McLaren, close the gap even further? I very much hope that is the case. Yeah. I think if it wasn't Ferrari's own faux pas of crashing into things and each other and all sorts of stuff like that, we would have seen a much closer title battle to the end of the season. Yeah, they they, they were yeah. they were unfortunate. Uh, mm. Ferrari. They, they had reliability issues, they didn't they? Com- ultimately, yeah, it, it just they had three races where they just completely dropped off and it wrecked their season. That's yeah. what's happened. And you know, I also you've got people like um, uh, what's his chops, the 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 guy Marchioni, having a go at um, the other Italian man who runs uh, Ferrari, telling him that he might not might be looking for a new job, giving him a P forty five. Oh yeah. That's the Ferrari mentality, though, isn't Ferrari, it? He's like, it? yeah, if you don't win, somebody loses their job. Yeah. That's just how Ferrari work, that, and maybe and that's, that's why, why Ferrari have struggled for the last decade to exactly. to win anything. Exactly. They are the Chelsea of Formula One at the minute. <laughs> <laughs> every season. Stop bringing it back I to also, Premier League, sorry, Stu. Sorry. <laughs> I also have a feeling that, given how different to all their rivals the Mercedes has been this year it's been a much longer wheelbase and it's been a sort of aero set in a different way I have a feeling they're going to go in a different direction with next year's car than they've been in for the last few years and I think they might not necessarily start off as quick as they're used to starting off you know what I think Mercedes would be daft to not create a car that's going to be better at following they've had the luxury of being out in front since this era of engine began um, and that is slowly being taken away from them this year so I think if they were smart they would start developing a car that is definitely better at following people and and can fight more in the pack because they're ultimately being caught up there's only so far they can develop that engine to to maximize its performance and other teams are starting to catch that so yeah yeah i think we might have a very a much more ferrari red bull looking mercedes next year for sure yeah, yeah. Def- well, they've been running it with a lot of rake in tests recently as well so yeah yeah uh, and then the very last one for this week was Paul Kelsall, who said, "Do you think that the Honda will? Sorry, do you think that Honda will get the engine right next year, and Toro Rosso could beat McLaren?" No. <laughs> no, I think it'll be better. But I don't think Toro Rosso will have the woes that McLaren had the last couple of years. Um, but it, no, of course not. They definitely won't. Um, but I think Sauber are going to be beating Toro Rosso on a fairly regular basis next year. Yeah, you've you've got Sauber moving to a full-spec Ferrari engine. So um, yeah. Haas well, are already a Ferrari customer team. You're struggling to work out who that backmarker team yeah. is at the minute until you start mm. seeing them in testing next year. I think it'll be difficult to call who that backmarker yeah. team could be. There's talk and, that um, Sauber could become Alfa Romeo Ferrari. Yeah, so, uh, Alfa Romeo, Sauber, Alfa Romeo, or yeah, whatever Ferrari it may be. engine. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but the brand, the engine. It'll also Alfa Romeo can't speak tonight. <laughs> I think it's going to be interesting too. Now they have the same engine to see how Haas and Sauber compare. 
Yeah. Do you know what? I've got an awful feeling, as much as I don't want it to be true, because I don't want to lose another fairly new team. I've got a feeling that Haas could be the ones that start slipping towards the back just oh, I was because of say exactly how that, they've yeah. been last year. Yes, they had a really good opening, sort of, let's say, half season, but then ever since then, they've slowly dropped further and further back and they've been in the clutches of the of the Q1 drop zone so mm. much this season. They've not, that, yeah, the development pace just hasn't been there. Yeah. Them, um, um, they've, had a car, they've had at least one car out of Q1 every race this season. I wage this to you. I don't know if it'll be agreed with or not, but could that be that, obviously, in their first year, they were purely a Ferrari customer team. They were basically buying something similar to what Ferrari were running themselves. Yeah. Do you think that because Ferrari have put more focus on actually trying to catch Mercedes this season, their support of Haas as a customer has gone by the wayside and they've ended up with much less support from Ferrari than they had in their first year and that's ultimately been costing them? Quite possibly, yeah. Definitely possible. Yeah. Shall we do uh, predictions championship? Yeah, I think we should now. Let's do it. (laughs) Um, so unlike actual Formula One, uh, we went into the final race with all three of us still being able to take the title. It was exciting. Uh, Tom, Tom was ahead, but I only needed three points more than him to overtake him. And Stu needed, I think two points to beat me and four to beat Tom. Mm -hmm. Um, but ultimately none of that matters because we managed to score a grand total of half a point between all three of us. (laughs) It was an abysmal week. Yeah. Um, that half a yeah, uh, I'll get on to that in a bit, actually. Um, so that half a point went to Stu, who I think was within one of the uh, number of finishes. Correct, right? yeah, he correct. said 17, there were 18. That was the only yes. half hello. point scored between all three of us. I just waved Dismal. at my microphone and said hello then. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's how microphones work. So that half a point moved Stu on to 26.5, which unfortunately was not quite enough to catch me. I finish... In second place, just half a point ahead of Stu on 27, ah. uh, which means our first predictions champion is Tom with 29 points. Just. So con- congratulations to you. It was very, very I close. I cannot believe how close it's been all season. And I was desperate to win it. <laughs> Three and a half points between us. Ah. Yeah. Um, Consistency of- is key. Yeah. I think we need to go karting yeah. to really decide it properly. <laughs> <laughs> And also, actually, uh, I think I'm owed another half a point while we're here. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because... This should be good. There's, I don't see on our list anyone who's got half a point for first DNF. Because um, nobody that anyone picked DNF'd. But Magnussen nearly DNF'd. <laughs> but then, then, I, then I just argue, so did Gasly. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll, qu- I'll pack down. But... <laughs> For complaining, I'm docking you half a no! point. So I'd be... <laughs> uh, but yes, congratulations, Tom. Thank uh, you. Feel free to buy yourself a prize. Yeah. Because we're not going to get you anything. Um, where there are prizes, though, is the Listeners' Championship, which was also still alive to the last race. Um, that's life were very much in the... Uh, Lead? Pole position seats. Pound, that was pound seat. Phrase. Pound seats. Pound seats. I hate that phrase. I'm not doing that. Um... <laughs> Paul Kelso could have took it. Uh, he needed a miracle. If that's life scored zero and Paul got a perfect five out of five, 
he could have drawn level and taken the title on the highest individual score. He got half a miracle because that's life didn't score a thing. <laughs> um, but unfortunately, Paul didn't score anything oh. either. Um, <laughs> so that means our first ever listeners championship with 25 points just behind oh. Stu and myself, uh, which would have been embarrassing. Uh, oh, that's life. So congratulations Yay, to those congratulations, guys. Congratulations, that's life. Applause. <laughs> that was awful. <laughs> um, so we will be in touch and the prize will be winging its way to you uh, congratulations guys well done yeah guys. congratulations well done um, I will just quickly run through the full table um, for all the people who uh, took part this season of which we're all very thankful uh, so equal last unfortunately we had James Hargreaves uh, our uh, Brazilian friends Fim de Grid at Beardy Blob and at Greek F1 fan who all unfortunately scored no points <laughs> then equal 16th on half a point we had Joel versus Gaming and Sarah 15th Anders Varda on four points 13th was uh, Gina on four and a half and Hendrik Lindhoff on four and a half equal 11th Simon from Admit One and Scars of Karma on five points Faith uh, Fast New 14 was 10th with six points Eric Richardson 9th with seven points then eighth was our friend Ika on 40 and a half, who has been there from, I think, the third race she got yeah, involved. Go, Ika. So, Good work. Many thanks to you for getting involved so early. Uh, Tom from Aero, but here is seventh on 15 points. Craig Mitchell, uh, who was a little bit later, actually, he did really well to get sixth place with 19 and a half, just behind Paul Kelsall, who finished fifth on 20 points, and our champions, That's Life, on 25. So wow. massive, massive thanks to every single person who got involved. Um interestingly i also worked out the average points uh per race obviously a lot of people joined with uh like halfway through the season and stuff um craig mitchell actually had the best average score of 1.7 points per race <laughs> uh followed by tom but anywhere but here scars of karma gina so all of you guys if you get involved from the first race next season you've uh you've had a good record so you may well be very Probably much us. in the out of interest well, what was our average so on the average list we came one two three four fifth sixth and seventh oh God, my um, goodness oh that's not good yeah <laughs> oh dear. you have tom you were average of 1.45 oh. i was 1.35 Stu 1.33 so there's only oh. an average of 0. 0.02 of a point between me and you Stu. wow oh goodness and that's life our champions are actually one point be- uh behind yourself it's so. all about marginal gains isn't it chris next yep, season so very much everyone make sure you get involved from the very first race so you're in with a shout um we didn't have our five out of five uh, special prize a few people came close the highest score was four out of five which actually happened four times across the season um i got four once as did that's life paul kelsel and craig mitchell i got four once um, as well i got four in uh, uh i thought i got four once no maybe i'm wrong no i'm afraid not oh uh, your best was you got three three times Tom you got three two times Ugh. Uh, our best debut score was three out of five which um, Craig Mitchell and Fast New 14 uh, both got on their debuts wow. um, then the best race for points uh, was Belgium where between us and all the listeners we averaged 2.6 points each which was damn impressive mm. Uh, the worst race with a pretty dismal uh, 0.15 <laughs> points per person. This one. Was Abu Dhabi 2017? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we ended on just the worst note. Um, 
And that is all for our Predictions League for this season. So I'll say many thanks to everyone who uh, got involved. Uh, next season, we're hoping to have a sort of fancy form you can fill in um, to put in your predictions and have a leaderboard that you can all view so you can see how you're doing yeah. race by race. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think we've quite decided if we're going to keep things the same or make any tweaks, but obviously we'll let you know in advance. Um, if you have any feedback on the way it works, by all means, let us know and we'll take all that on board. Yeah. Um, but that's it for predictions until Australia in March. Yeah. Um, obviously, if you would like to get in touch with us in order to um, submit anything, really, like anything, something for us to talk anything. about. Horses' um, heads. Yeah. Uh, or you want to make a suggestion for the Prediction League and so on, you can find us on Twitter. That is Back of the Grid F1. You can find us on Facebook by just searching for Back of the Grid. And um, we can also be found on Instagram at Back of the Grid as well. But that's not really a prime option to, to contact us for mm-hmm. suggestions. Um, you can find us at backofthegrid.com where you can contact us for sure. And you can find all of us individually on Twitter. I am TomKing89. Stu is Stu underscore PX. And Chris is TNM Chris. We're um, probably going to be doing a, a sort of season review driver and team ratings thing in the next couple of weeks, I imagine. Yes. So if anyone wants to send in their driver of the year, team of the year, anything else. Any best sort bits, of, favourite moments yeah. from the season, uh, things like that, send those in. Yeah. Send all that in. And we'll do that over the next couple of weeks. And don't forget to like, share and subscribe to us on all our, on all our various channels as well. Yep, so you'll be... I mean, we'll keep stuff coming over the winter. Yeah, but you'll yeah, be, uh, yeah. Ready to go with their new episodes next season. Um, just before we go, guys, any uh, thoughts on what you're going to be watching during the off season? Well, Formula E starts next weekend, I think. That's right. Um, yep. So that's very exciting. Mm-hmm. It should be a really good season, I think. There's um, a, the Dakar Rally in January as well, which is always good. Mm. Also, looking forward to the Daytona Two uh, in yes. January to see uh, <laughs> Alonso. Uh, and Lando Norris is his teammate as well, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. Um, now, and also Lance Stroll is taking part as well, I believe. Oh, now, you see, if you are interested in any of these things we mention, this is a good reason to make sure you keep an eye on your podcast feed during the winter break because we will not just disappear. We Obviously, episodes might not be as often as they are at the moment, being every week with previews and reviews, but... We'll definitely be doing episodes as and when we have things to yeah. talk about like this. We're going to try and keep it quali- quality over quantity, I think, is the correct the reason over the winter. So, yes, be sure to keep an eye on your podcast feed and also things like our Twitter and Facebook to see what we will be talking about over the winter and you can then contribute to things like that as well. I think that's it. Is that it? Are we done? Is it that is. It? I think that's it. Oh, my F1 God, that's 2017 it done yeah so thank you very much to everybody who's joined us over the course of the season it's been an absolute blast remember to keep your eyes out for us in a couple of weeks time for the season review and send us anything you want and we hope that all of you and more bring your friends join us next season (laughs) so thank you very much for listening guys thanks thanks everyone bye final awkward goodbye of the season bye bye Bye.
now what? Brought a tear to my eye. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess we'll all just go home. I guess so. <laughs> Hibernate, wake me up for feel, pre-season I feel, I feel, testing. I feel a bit weird. I feel a bit sick. I think I'm going to be sick. What are we going to do with their uh, Monday nights from now on? <laughs> Not piss our girlfriends off, probably. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> This podcast is part of Brit Pod Scene, an independent network of uniquely British podcasts that's always growing. Check out BritPodScene.com or BritPodScene on Twitter to find out more.